Good evening, good evening, good evening. Let's get right into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing well, doing okay. We got this, we, we upgrading. I think everything's doing just fine right now. Yeah, I like the upgrade piece. Getting off the plane, though, is a little tough. <laughs> Big weekend in Charlotte, CIAA tournament. I experienced it. I am a CIAA for life now. Well, I tell you what, starting next weekend, I make I start making my journeys. But you two gentlemen, you all take the show today. They, we just just at the uh, Rockets just finished their game, and Doc, you just got back from from the CIAA, and I know there's a lot to be said about it and the difference, and and a more appreciation. Oh yeah, it's of, truly a difference between the swag. The swag, you see your usual swag. Alums and fans, uh, but at the CIAA, you 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 can tell you're in basketball country. It's an entertainment showcase. Yeah, that's, that's the what that's what I've been told. Now. That's the second part. They brought in the entertainment, but the first thing that really uh, comes out to you, you can tell that you're amongst true basketball fans. They've been basketball lifers pretty much. They've grown to uh, love the CIAA. Uh, obviously, when the CIAA started out and had a lot more talent on the roster in terms of professional type of talent. So you can see them getting into that. But basically what it's a mix, it reminds me of a mix of a homecoming game, HBCU homecoming game in, in the SWAC, a fraternity sorority convention uh, with everybody wearing their paraphernalia. The Omegas are deep in North Carolina. I don't know what really? goes on there. But, yeah, you, yeah that's, that's, they were overwhelmingly Oh. That's interesting. In a popular um, fraternity. Seen a mix, good mix between AKs and Deltas. They were pretty strong. Um, you had the vendors outside. The vendors were huge with CIAA gear. I mean, they had a whole station, two or three stations. Wow. That just sold CIAA gear. I mean, everything from jackets to caps to hats, the skull caps, the shirts, T-shirts representing this particular tournament, and then just CIAA for life gear. Um windsuits, pullovers, anything that you can imagine that you want to ask the IAA, you had that represented. So I thought that was fascinating. They have a great deal of sponsors that are involved there that are heavy, whether it's nationwide, and they mix that in with doing different events. They bring in celebrities. They give concerts, comedians, uh, old and young hip-hop and whatsoever in terms of in between the games and the mix there. But it was truly just a fascinating event to see that. But that's what I kind of reminds me of, all those mix. And then you add in that they had a little pep band. So what we're used to seeing with the dancing sensation. Yes. Um, for at halftime, where well, they have the cheerleaders. And the cheerleaders are just. Off the up. chain? They off the chain. They have this group, and they really, you can tell, they practice 24-7. And they're so synchronized. So it reminds you of the dance teams, except for they're actually cheerleaders and they're doing cheers. But they have that old stomp cheer that you see maybe in high school. And they they are serious. They look nice. Beautiful young women there. Just fascinating. So I was overwhelmed in a lot of ways. It was a great time. I will say that the SWAC does do a better job in terms of feeding (laughs) <laughs> Doc, the media. I'm, I'm gonna tell you something. They said it used to be big time with the soul food they used to have, stuff you could die for. But it seems like they just had the candy and chips, plenty of soda and water, all you could drink basically. But that that was a little bit desire. But there was one thing I do have to say that I thought was just fascinating. 
you know, usually you have your general concession stands, and they did have that for people that wanted your traditional um, fan food, popcorn, nachos, uh-huh. uh, chickens. They had Bojangle chicken in there that you could get. But then they had this soul food restaurant, Dave and Kathy Soul Food Restaurant, which is a local restaurant that sells soul food that's real popular. Well, they bought out the vendor section, and they had about 15 tables where people literally would buy their food, sit down, and just in between the games, they would sit and eat. And so they had the catfish uh, fried uh, dish with macaroni, cheese, or greens. They had Doc, fried chicken. I'm hurting right now. I'm hurting right now, Doc. <laughs> so I was hurting. like, this is nice. And they just put the sign over where the traditional sign was, redecorated, and made it the ambiance where it was a nice soul food restaurant. So I was like, the C-I-double-A. Well, I tell you what, Doc, I'm missing something. In some way, somehow. I, I, I got to put that on my bucket list. Yeah, if you're a fan of basketball and you want to see something slightly different but is truly passionate about basketball, if you're an HBCU fan, uh, one way out there, you have to put the CIAA basically on your list to get it done. Uh, I, I will say that. It was at Time Warner Cable. That, that is the oh, okay. professional arena that they use for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, in regards to that, it seats about 20,500, something like that. Mm-hmm. And for the China f- championship game, it looked like they had between sixteen to 18,000 people in there. Uh-huh. Solid. Well, I tell you, Doc, we're we missing something because I, I will tell, say this. You know, everybody talk about the one thing that Sam used to tell me when I got started in this and started to travel and go to tournaments and stuff and go to events. He said, you'll find out when you get there how well they, they want you there. Because either one, they'll put gifts in your hand, or they'll feed you well. Still, the best tournament I've go- ever gone to was a WAC when we when it was the big WAC, and we used to go to Vegas. 16-team WAC. And, yeah. And we would get breakfast, brunch, lunch, snack, dinner, and then something to take back to the hotel and all the tied you over to the next day. Oh, I like that. And I'm going to tell you, it's not often that you see media press hardcore getting up in the morning, especially in Vegas, to be at the arena for 8 o'clock breakfast time. They didn't miss me they, they wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't miss it. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad I did because it was fr- that allowed me the first time to see Becky Hammond play at Colorado State. And I'm going to tell you, I, it was after that, I was like, okay, not only am I getting good food, but I'm getting a good brand of basketball. Right. Well, with that said, I guess it's time before we move on from the HBC sports scene because we're kind of starting there since coming out of CIAA. There was point, one point that was very solemn when they uh, announced or Errol Lloyd had passed. You could tell um, a lot of fans were attached to him. Uh, he obviously played for West Virginia State. And at that time, West Virginia State was in the CIAA. They had won uh, back-to-back championships uh, in the conference, and he led them the first year there to get that done. He ended up being the first African-American to play in the NBA. Obviously, it was three gentlemen. All three of them were attached in one way or the other to the CIAA, oddly enough. All three of them played in the CIAA. One of them transferred out after playing there for a year. Um, but – I. Because of the scheduling quirks in the NBA, uh-huh. he actually was the first one to actually play in the CIAA. So that was a sad moment. And then, obviously, you heard the announcement Saturday uh, 
in regards to Tennessee State's Anthony Mason. Right. That played most wow. notably with the Knicks after he that was that, that was a, a true shocker. Yeah. Yeah, that was really. Uh, so that went on. But on a better note, well, I'll take this first. The game I was looking for out of the Red River Athletic Conference was Wiley going to Langston, particularly on the women's side. Both teams, men and women, uh-huh. were at least oh, trying yeah. to finish at the top of their conference. And that game was canceled because of the weather. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they schedule that. So that was a little bit of a disappointment. But more on a positive note, obviously talked about uh, the CIAA. Livingstone uh, won back-to-back championships. Yep. Playing against Winston-Salem State, beating them for the second year in a row. And then you had Virginia State beating the Lincoln University of Pennsylvania. Big-time matchups, big-time games. Virginia State had won the championship. Went down there with Cunningham, professor here, colleague here, uh-huh. who is a Virginia State graduate, played uh, in the CIAA back in the late 40s, early 50s. He had They had a running joke with him. He, used, he would go down there regularly, and the, their schedule was to come in on Thursday. He said every time they would fly in on Thursday, they'd get off their plane, and everybody would point and say, look at as they were coming off 85, they say, look, they go Virginia State University's bus. They're heading back up 85. Because <laughs> every time he'd get, he'd get there, they had already lost. Oh, so my goodness. He kind of got a double. Uh, Virginia State did play on Thursday. They made it out of the quarters but couldn't get past the semifinals on the men's side. But the women's side really treated him well and had him sticking out his chest. As I just said, yeah, yeah. Virginia State Lady Trojans uh, cut down the nets. And so, um, first time in about 15 years that while he was there, that he could say that he got to watch Virginia State get it done and play late into the tournament. So he said, I was a uh, good luck. So he wanted to make sure I come back. <laughs> so I thought that was a little funny. So that was good. Then you have, obviously, Texas Southern Lady Tigers. They continue to burn down the nets. They went to Alabama State, got it done. So Southern continues to win, so it's going to set up a matchup. It looks like this Saturday as uh, SWAC is playing at short notice. They continue and finish out in Alabama on Monday. Then they play Thursday uh, and, Saturday. and Saturday, end of the season. All corn on Thursday, and then the big game, it looks like, uh, for both men's and women's, it probably would be uh, against Southern with the fact that Texas Southern had uh, arguably the biggest win of the season from the standpoint that they beat Alabama State, yeah. and both of them were tied for first, so that gives them a one-game edge going into the season. So at worst, uh, probably will be tied for a championship, or if they can find a way to win out, definitely they'll be outright champions, and that means they could do the double duel, getting it done both men's and women's. Also, a good note is the fact that Prairie View continues to win. Yeah, plays big time basketball. They got a kind of like that big win, seventy-three to seventy-one against the Alabama A&M team that was also playing. Uh, some very good basketball at this time. So kudos to Rim. Uh, he's got his four seniors playing the best basketball at the right time at the end of the year, as they would say. And he's on a six-game win streak. If he can continue to win and get a game down in Alabama State, which is going to be tough because, as yeah. we just said, the Hornets are coming off that loss, so you know they're going to be motivated. Yeah. If he can do that, then he'll set up the fact that he can literally jump Southern in terms of seeding uh, to get to the third seed right. uh, with the head to matchup that will – Southern will play them on Thursday down there. So he's going to look big at that. So that pretty much uh, wraps it up. As we already know, North Carolina Central, the Eagles, they've gotten to 35 wins in a row. They're dominating. 
playing some very good basketball, probably the best basketball uh, among HBCUs, uh, getting some votes for the mid-major top 25. Uh, they're now 15-0, and they want to close out the season with their consecutive undefeated streak and try to get to 36 games uh, in terms of winning at home court. They have the longest home court win streak, is my understanding now, with the 30, 35 games in a row. So they're playing some good basketball. On the women's side, no surprise, Hampton. They only have a one-game lead. They did lose the original Savannah State head-to-head matchup. Savannah State is right behind them with three losses. They have two losses, but Hampton got a big win over the rival Howard, and they're rolling. So if they can get that done, they'll win another championship on the women's side. And that's nice to be said when you're down and you still <laughs> winning championships. You know, it, it just says about the program. It also says about the, uh, the players that, are, that play there. And they're caring, and they understand what tradition is all about, and they are not about to let it happen on their watch as being the one to lose out. Absolutely. Prayer of you, the last thing I'll say, prayer of you women. Um, they've won at Alabama A&M, so they're setting up to see if they can move up in terms of seeding for the tournament. At this point, all nine teams, nine of the ten teams, let's just say, not all nine, but nine of the ten teams will be in the tournament, Arkansas Pine Bluff. There's some question of which one will be actually eligible to go to to the dance. I tell you what, Doc. At some point, they're going to figure it out. You hope. You hope. Well, who's going to figure what out? Academics? APR? What are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That. I hope you're right. I'm, I'm serious on that. I mean, everybody but TSU in the swag. I hope you're right. Yeah. And that, but and that still sits in my craw now with, with a bad taste in my mouth, just because of that. Those three, those set of three letters, you know. At some point, you got to stop it. You, you just got to, and you can't be standing with your with your hand out like begging, like please help us, you know, correct that. When you should be correcting your own problem, your own situation. Very, very true. And well, we talked about HBCU touched on TSU Prairie View. The winning teams in college basketball in the, in the Houston area, and and they are the only ones that As are guaranteed. Let me throw one more thing in there, Chris. I know you won't get too excited about this, but I got to do this. Baseball has kicked off a sweat competition. <laughs> That's fine because we talk about you facing that bad pitching and the bad defense that they lost. Yeah, that was. Oh, and uh, I, I went to. I, we I, thought I, it was going to be in the mixed top thirty, yeah, maybe top twenty-five rankings. That was disappointing. Uh, Texas Southern went to Pine Bluff. Well, actually, switched the games because yeah, and so they'll they were supposed to go to Pine Bluff. They actually played Pine Bluff here, and they'll switch it and go to them later in the season. Pine Bluff took two out of three, and then Prairie View went to Southern and took two out of three. Right. So that's kind of early. And I, I've, I've seen both pitching. Prairie View has a dominant pitching crew right now. Uh, from the, the, the series, the two series I've seen out of both squads. Also, I find it ironic. That TSU had a midweek game with TCU, and they only lost one nothing, and they pitching hell out until I think the uh, middle of the um, eighth inning because mm-hmm. it was seven and a half innings of a scoreless ball, and I thought that was a, tr- a, a, a great credit to the, the, the guys, basically because errors weren't an issue in the game to get a game away. Right, and I and I like that. that early on, he started uh, both preview and TSU, uh, Coach Rob and Coach. Um, I cannot pronounce his name. I'm sorry. Cullivan. Cullivan. Uh, both said in, in post-game interviews that the 
theme this year was to cut down on the errors and not beat out, or not beat themselves, and not allow teams to get away from us just because of fielding. You know, pitching that that's up and down. That's just what happens. You know, in baseball, you never know from day to day, game to game. But if you can cut down on the fielding error, error situation, you can win a lot of games just just on that alone. And then also, you can stay you can stay in it. You can stay in games. Well, the Cougars are 8-4 now in baseball. They lost today to Columbia. They split the series of Columbia 2-2. Wow. Gave up 20 hits today, four errors. So, Pound. You, wait, 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 you, you go over to, go over to see, talk to Coach Whitting and ask him what's going on with the pitching staff and the, the uh, errors as well. Cause Did. Yeah, four errors. So, he gave up. They lost 7-6 Texas State on Wednesday. And then... Uh, they bounced back, beat Columbia three zip Friday, double hitter Saturday, lost five four in, in opening double hitters, an eight seven winner in the second game. They lost twelve seven today. So you're looking at in the losses eight seven five and twelve runs given up in those four losses. Something wrong with pitching staff or the defense? Could be both. And if it's both, that's then this all this lovely giddy super great news about them being top ten, top five, et cetera, will be ending soon. Because you can't win against, cannot be elite if you can't pitch and can't defend. No. And you're a softball. Still uh, struggling? And they will. They, they will struggle this year. They don't have a lot of depth, uh, especially at pitching. Um, there's a lot as base by platoon. They get some things done, and they're, they're finding their way. As I say, it's going to be a work in progress this whole season. It's, it's it just will. Um, they don't have enough uh, feeling depth, especially, to resolve some uh, some feeling issues. But they are they're figuring like like Coach Hollis told me, they're figuring it out. You know, they're just trying to get it so sorted. Okay, so it's gonna be a long season for them. It's gonna be a long season for okay. them. But to the, to the, to the credit, you're correct. Baseball should be on a different level. Softball should be at least comp- uh, co- uh, competitive, which they will be this year. But it's still uh, Central Florida's uh, uh, crown to lose. They just have the dominant situation going, both pitching and fielding. Okay, I'm looking at the stats real quick. This And listeners, this may be the most I talk, I talk about baseball this entire year. So <laughs> no, it'll be a little bit longer than that because you're going to go this. to a game. You, you I'm going to talk about it, though, especially if they keep losing and pissing me off. But um, – <laughs> The, the earn run average is 3.32, so that tells you that the defense is, is having problems. If your ERA is only 3.32 and you're losing 12-7, you know, seven or seven runs here and there, so that means a few of those runs are not earned. So defense is a problem. Uh, and one of the, their comfort behind win over Alabama, follow my man Matt Jackson on Twitter, the Cougars, I think, committed four errors in one inning. So, I mean, stuff like that just can't happen. So, Go ahead. Go ahead. You you go to talk to a coach and coaching staff and find out what's going on. If it's if it's freshmen struggling to adjust to the speed or whatever, players adjusting, JUCO, whoever. But the defense, third base, it sounds like it's a problem. Find out what's wrong with the defense because when you're looking at the all of the losses that the men's and men's basketball teams have compiled this year, I was kind of hanging my hat on baseball. To tie me over until football season started. I, I got it, it, you were you were duly committed to to be that way just because of where they were and what's been predicted where they should be. 
Now, going across Main Street, last five games, it uh, Rice was three and two. Uh, Stephen F. Austin midweek, 13-1. They lost to Stanford in the first game, uh, 5-3. Then they won the the uh, they split the double hitter, won the first one, 11-6. Lost the second one, 3-1. And then uh, today they just pounded Stanford, uh, 12-12-1. They found a bass. Everything was working. They are 8-5 uh, overall, but they're 6-4 at home and only 2-1 away. Hmm. They are a, they are true. Now, this year's squad is truly a work in progress. And didn't they lose and, one of their best players? Yes. Was it a pitcher? Uh, yes, I think so. I, I, let me get the news part of the situation. But, uh, yeah. See, trust me. Baseball will not dominate these podcasts like it is. Right now, this is not going to happen too much longer, okay? Because this is this is getting on my nerves. <laughs> it's getting on your here. My nose is starting to run because I'm sick <laughs> because of the baseball talk. So this is just really killing me right here. Folks, folks, out of my element. So you out of your element, man? You out of your element? Well, yeah. it's the kick off the season, like you no, said. Whatever, we, whatever. We'll just whatever. say it that way. It was good. Kick out whatever. conference race, so. But we can move on. You yeah. went to the basketball game. Yeah. Time basketball Talk game. about the Rockets today. The Rockets. <laughs> What was the what Playing was the commotion? What what happened? What did what you know? Happen? There was you know you know what commotion we're talking about? You know Santa Cruz, <laughs> Pat Beverly didn't back down from LeBron. LeBron put his hand on Pat Beverly's throat or pushed Pat down up on the floor at the time. So it was really a little man stay on the floor. I'm trying to get up, use him as a little push, a support stool or whatever. <laughs> so we got double tech. Uh, well, actually, that wasn't you know I think just double tech on that, but. LeBron missed eight free throws. He cost the Cavs a chance to win the game in, the over, in overtime. Rockets won 105-103. It was 104-103 at the time. But LeBron went to the line for the two free throws. He missed both of them. He missed both of them badly, too. It wasn't like they rolled out. They really weren't really close. So he uh, said after the game that you know he let his team down. He's got to work on his free throws, which he will. It won't happen again, et cetera. But it was good. It was good to see a duel between LeBron and, and James Harden. They both showed up. They both took turns guarding each other, and Harden did a good job defending LeBron. Let me say that one more time. Harden did a good job defending LeBron. I hear you, man. Ariza did a good job. Uh, Late in the game to defend him. Defending him. However. Uh-oh. Oh, see, that, that's what I was waiting on. Because the folks was, however, there we go, stat man. LeBron went, and keep in mind, uh, Kyrie Irving was out of the game with the left shoulder strain, and Dwight Howard, of course, still out with his knee issue. LeBron took 35 shots. I'd be okay. I'd be okay with that. But 12 of those 35 were three-pointers. He made 15 field goals, made four three-pointers. He set up for too many outside shots, period. Um, you know, kudos to Coach Ariza McKenna's talked about that. And uh, for the Rockets, yeah, kudos to Reason, Josh, Smith, and Corey Brew, who took turns, and Harden, who took turns defending LeBron. But LeBron set up for the jumper far too many times. And I, I don't know if that was because the struggle, the struggle at the foul line impacted him. He just, but he set up for too many jumps out way too much. I don't think much. it was because of the free throws, because if you think about it, late in the game, he went to the basket. After he did, but after the possession before, he set up for a jumper. Yeah, and then he hit the three. So then he hit so yeah, put one. His game was one. was up and down. Yeah, it was kind of and, back and forth. But I thought he and uh, to those see last how he drives, he, he destroyed the Pistons a couple, on Tuesday. Yeah, they, that's what I was looking for. Golden I was looking State for that guy. Edition, and and Golden State, but he took score forty two against the Warriors. But he was wasn't quite. He himself. just he played a different game. Yeah. The game against Detroit, he had twelve assists. He just to his teammates. They were 
no, knocking down shots. Kevin Love made eight three-pointers in that game. Kyrie went off as well. Well, a lot of like. Kyrie didn't do a lot in that game. And then against the Warriors, LeBron, like, proved a point to Steph Curry and the Warriors at the, the best defense team in the NBA. Do you think that was something in his head? You know, obviously it's not totally LeBron style, but, but in the back of his head, do you think some I of that was I think he was trying to prove hard, a point to yeah. Harden at – but his game is not jacking up three point shots. That's true. He is not James Harden. That, that, ain't, that ain't who he is. So, <laughs> but the game was chippy. Uh, Timothy, Timothy Mozgov slapped Harden on a drive. Trevor Reza had Harden's back. Picked up Batetica when he challenged uh, Mozgov back and, you know, telling him basically, I don't appreciate what you did to my man. So, you know. It's a lot of chit chat going back and forth. I like that. Uh, so it's good to see. Yeah, yeah. It was good to see the crowd got into it. The crowd got into it, but the game ended up 98-98 after 48 minutes. And I promise you, I kid you not. Did they leave? Fans got up and left. <laughs> so I put on Twitter. What y'all leaving for? Where y'all Where y'all going? Unless it's a collective restroom break, <laughs> because they <laughs> left. I don't get that. 98, they left. I don't get that. I, that Sunday that, afternoon game, so it wasn't like it was a late, late right. night game. You got right. to get home early or whatever. You got plenty of time to drive and get, you know, get kids to bed, get food in them, you know, that kind of thing. I understand. I understand. But I'm like you. I don't get that. So, oh, and I, oh, and I forgot about this. I just saw this on Twitter. I forgot about the uh, hardened kick to LeBron's manhood um, after the Cavs tied up LeBron and, and uh, tied up James Harden. And LeBron and, and Harden went to the floor. Well, Harden fell to the floor. Refs caught loose ball. Harden's left leg hit LeBron in his manhood. And uh, LeBron, you can see LeBron in, in replay saying, come on, James, come on, James. But Harden hit him in his nuts. Hit LeBron in the nuts. And he got it. I think he got a technical, for, a technical foul. I think that's what he was called. He did for. get a technical foul. But that was uncalled for. I think the NBA might light his wallet just a little bit on that one as well. But game was chippy. I, I had no problem seeing these two teams match up in the finals. You know, if it, you have more games like this one. Like this, yes. So it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. You know, I, I, refereeing was poor to say the least. And there is, you go to my uh, Twitter account, uh, T-H-E-H-R Review. I retweeted a, a link of a Vine post. One of our buddies, Woodley Wildcat, Pat Truesdale posted. Oh, okay. Well, you can see, well, basically, Harden and LeBron, as Kevin Kelly said in post game, another t- push, plug, plug for myself. You can go to my YouTube account here. This comment, Coach Kelly's comments on this. Well, it looked like Harden, Harden and LeBron doing a square dance. Their arms were locked. Oh. And they, they stopped. Arms locked. Look right at the referee. Ref didn't call nothing. Yeah, he just threw it. Didn't hand. whistle. Did I mean he just like play play on play? Something had to be called there. Yes. Yeah. So you can go and see that that was he hopped on the foot. So either yeah. it was a foul on one of the other. Oh, so you know the, the, earlier this week the NBA was talking about. Thank you, thank you very much, Go ahead, sir. Hey, it, it, and I, you know I got a tweet and all. I got I got a, got a, a text about that information. The NBA has said that they are in the process of starting to look at late game calls, late games, non-calls. Starting in March It's going to be interesting starting tomorrow because now all these crews and all that's been floating about these late game bam bam situations and just letting it roll, it's going to be interesting because now 
they've got a, another criteria to put you into a uh, postseason play. You'll either be evaluated well or evaluated not ready. Let me read the press release that the league put out about this. This is so, I think Thursday, Friday. The NBA announced a new transparency initiative relating to its officiating program. Beginning March 2nd and continuing throughout the 2015 playoffs, the league will provide play-by-play reports regarding all calls and material non-calls that occur in the last two minutes of close games and during entire overtime periods. This new initiative creates a more specific protocol for commenting on the most scrutinized calls in NBA games. The quote-unquote last two minutes officiating report is the latest step in the league's effort toward more transparency in its officiating program. Previous actions include this season's launch of NBA Replay Center, real-time postings on NBA.com, and NBA official Twitter account of the replays used by officials to make calls during replay reviews, and bi-weekly rule points of emphasis memos that are sent to teams, referees, and the media. I like that. Yeah. Quote, our fans are passionate and have an intense interest in understanding how the rules are applied, said Mike Bantam, Executive Vice President of Referee Operations. NBA referees have the most difficult officiating job in sports with so many split-second decisions in real time. We trust this consistent disclosure will give fans a greater appreciation of the difficulty of the job and a deeper sense of the correct interpretations of the rules of our game, end quote. Interesting. But it, it, you know what? It, it, how it, much it is helped. that little backward bite at the NFL and all the conferences? Oh, yeah. Today? Hey, yeah. all I know is that you we'll got a new final thing. One final thing. The league will release assessments of officiated events in the last two minutes of games decided in regulation that were within five points at a two-minute mark. Also, the reports will include plays from the last two minutes and overtime of OT games. Mm-hmm. Each play will be reviewed by a senior referee manager or basketball operations manager who will provide the assessments. Nice. Every play on the report will include a video link to that specific play. The report will be posted on NBA.com forward slash official by 4 p.m. Central the day after each game. That's intense. I like that. Yeah, you know what? That needs to happen. To their credit. That needs to happen. But that tells, also tells you where the league is going with the new commissioner. Yeah. Now he's, he's, a lot more transparency, no question. Yeah, but it also, he's about to, like you said earlier, he's about to raise the level of officiating in that sport, in professional sports. you you got to check the guys early and let them know the criteria. It won't, it's, it's, no matter what you think about it, it's for the betterment of the league. Yeah, but if you go back to the NFL – and uh, not to withstanding all the off-field stuff they had, right? But even when they got in the playoffs, much of the talk for the last, for the really the entire playoffs, even including Super Bowl, obviously the last one, the Super Bowl, was not due to a ref's call. But the three previous weeks that you had during the playoffs, Correct. all of them yeah. were about certain calls or non-calls or reversals of calls. And everybody so, talked about that, that right? That, that, leading so up to this that is. Another way, in my opinion, to share how referees call games in regards to the NBA. And I think that's a good thing. Well, okay, how can folks find you on the World Wide Web? You can find me on the World Wide Web at TweetDeck, Twitter, at 
JL and Facebook JL Woodley One, Facebook Jerry L Woodley Jr. And you can find me on YouTube and Blogger at AKSV the CSR, the College Sports Report. Folks, come see the post games uh, uh, interviews. Uh, they are starting to get interesting, especially the last two that I get, uh, got. One from Coach Robertson here at TSU <laughs> and uh, 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 Coach uh, Todd Whitty in right. the midweek game. Okay. It, wasn't, it, it was interesting. It was interesting. Was that pertaining to some of the umpiring in that game, I think? Uh, no. No. No? No. Because that was TSU and U of H in that, in that game, right? Right. Right. Everything was, everything was fine. Pitching broke down. Because TSU was ahead in that game at one yeah. point. Yeah. Uh, that was a question as to. More baseball, boy. I'm about to die. Oh, my gosh. The pitcher's not stopping at the rubber. Okay. And. Who's pitching? TSU's pitching. The guy pitches fast. Which is going to be interesting because he looked more like what they're trying to do. So we'll see in, how, in, in Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah. Speed we'll see how the SWAC officiates him pitching there. Exactly. Oh, yeah. That, be a, that'll be the first question I will ask Coach Rob and all after that. Uh, after they get to when I see him the next time. Because that will be truly interesting. And I noticed none of these other conferences have uh, instituted that. I mean, they, they, the coaches and all have a, cl- have a stopwatch, but they hadn't got to the point to where they are starting to uh, bring their attention on a regular basis to the uh, umpire, at least the third base guy. We'll talk about uh, a, uh, I won't call it a miracle, but uh, the U of H men basketball team broke a six-game losing streak today with a 72-55 win over South Florida. The Cougars are, are down to walk on West Van Beck oh, playing goodness. time at point guard. Yes. With LJ Doc, Rose it, breaking it, his it, foot for the third time. Uh, question. Chuck it, Baker, who was suspended for four games for violating a team rule, came back. But uh, I think Gerard Stickers had to play point guard a little bit. And he's not a point guard. If you've seen him jack up threes, every time he gets the ball, you can tell you know he's not a point guard. But the Cougars <laughs> led at halftime. Cougars led at halftime six of their last seven games. But today was the first time they actually won a game. Devontae Pollard scored 18 points to lead the Cougars. So US, uh, US, USF and UH are now tied at 2-14 and 14 in the American. 2-14. and 14. Uh, And uh, uh, both teams have new head coaches, first-year head coaches in charge of the programs. I think both teams will be better future in the, in the future. But um, the tournament's about to start for the women soon. Yes. U of H Senior Day for the women will be tomorrow. So they'll lose that one, I'm sure. You'll be there? And I don't know yet. You know, we'll see. I don't really. I don't, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything else. I got you. Um, so the Cougars women will play tomorrow for Senior Day. They've struggled to uh, score points in their last few games. And then they'll go play one game in the conference tournament. And this brutal season will end. It'll come to a close. They play Temple tomorrow. On Monday, so and they'll play one game in the ACT tournament. Excuse me, in the UConn Invitational. Of course, and I, 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 I can understand. They'll that. be done with that, and, and then Coach Huey and his staff can work on bringing in. Oh my goodness! New more talent 
and better talent and better players and uh, build a foundation now that the operations facility, the framework is being put into the ground over at Hawthorne Pavilion so you can actually see things being built now But to give hope. So, and will that be the, the last of it? Uh, because folks are starting to question, they're starting to ask me questions, and all. Well, I'm sure they wonder where, you know, where, where the money's coming from. Sure. And you know, now that other things and all are starting to crop up on campus, um, it's interesting where the athletic situation is going is, is headed. Five Mac Rose, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's, I'm kind of the loss is the losing streak for the women's basketball team here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Looks like fourteen losses in a row for UH women. So they have one win in conference. That was a road win over SMU. The Mustangs avenged that loss. Yeah, I think that was the of the Cougars that in Hawthorne six eight fifty one. I think that was the one that kind of like broke the camel's back. Uh, as far as folks actually looking at you know looking at the squad and says okay they've had better that uh, you know it's, that shouldn't have happened but it did everybody watched it it was a nice crowd but folks truly I just believe it in my heart better days are coming as of next season yeah you can finally bring in more of his players that he wants. And, uh, that he needs. And that he needs because it's clear that the talent there, the talent on the squad this year is, is not near good enough to compete in the UConn Conference. No. Not by no means. Not so by no means. We'll see how that goes. Um, UConn closes out the season Monday, March 2nd, on the road versus USF. South Florida is still ranked, so we'll see if uh, the top 25, number 25, we'll see if South Florida stays within 25 points of the Huskies, which they probably won't, which would be disappointing as well. But, Wildcat, we touched on this a few times during our podcast at how it's UConn and everybody else. UConn, after they mass South Carolina in the battle of of one versus two, prove that they are the, the queen of the mountaintop. South Carolina lost today on the road to Kentucky. I saw that. 67-56. Um, Stanford lost to Oregon. And Stanford had just come off a good win, road win over Oregon State on Friday. So this was a surprise to see them lose to Oregon. And I want to get this right. To uh, Stanford's lost five times in, in the Pac-12. Most losses they've had in Pac-12 in 10, 12 years. Oregon, with, with today's win over Stanford, moved to 6-12 and 12 in conference play. So Stanford is up and down. And keep in mind now, UConn's only loss this year yep. was to Stanford. Yeah. But Stanford has lost to a, a not-good Oregon team. Okay. A not-good Arizona team. Okay. I think it was Arizona's first time beating Stanford in in eons. Um, they have bad losses. On their schedule, on their resume, I should say. Yes. So I'm not sure if they play themselves out of being a, one of the 16 teams that host the first two rounds, but we shall see how things go. Uh, so, and the Aggies 
season ended yeah. Thursday in their home loss to Missouri when Jordan Jones, uh, point guard, tore ACL and a meniscus. So obviously, obviously she's off with the season. And the Aggies lost today also. So tough times for Coach Blair and the Aggies, so don't expect much from them in the NCAA tournament play. And they've definitely played themselves out of being a host team in the uh, – they lost to LSU today, eighty to sixty-three. Yeah, I, that's, I find that interesting. And it's uh, LSU now that uh, Danielle Ballard was came back from her indefinite suspension to start the season. She has been one of the best players in the SEC. So funny how things all work out. Did anybody go to the high school girl tournament? No, I did not. Uh, I uh, Rockets game Friday. Uh, concert on yesterday, and I and that was an all day. But it's interesting uh, that they had a somewhat of a crowd. You know, by the fact that it's it, it being uh, what was it, Side Woods? If I'm not mistaken, Side Woods and and was it West Side in the in the regional yeah. final? Yes, and folks say. Let me check. The, I'm breaking this bracket up now. I'm waiting for it to load up. Uh, it's just one of those. It won't load up, young man. What are you trying to see, sir? Uh, yesterday's situation for the women on uh, for the girls. Going, oh, here we go. Get one close. You can go to the Chronicle and read the Angel's article when be the Southwoods crushed West Side. I think we led by. 20 points at halftime, if not more. But, yeah, the game wasn't close. It was kind of let down because top two teams in the area. Side Woods is, I think, number one in the state, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. With, yeah, it was 75 to 36. Yeah. And then uh, the uh, matchup in uh, – that matchup opponent in the state will be Flower Mound, who beat Plano West 53-50. Flower Mound has the best player in the country. That's what they say. Lauren Cox thinks she's a junior. She in the country? Class of 2016, yes. Yeah. She's the number Not one the player state. in the country. No, no, in the country. She's the number one player in the country. Nice. I sure hope she doesn't go to UConn. Cause <laughs> spread the talent out. Spread out the talent. I'm just, you but, know. You, but, uh, but let's go back to what the conversation you and I always have with folks. Either you choose to work harder as a recruiting coach, as a coach recruiting, or you choose to find kids that work harder than you. One of those two situations, and and it, somewhere along the way, it'll blend and you'll win. Because apparently, when you, you you and I had the had the same conversation with uh, uh with the coach uh, Ariana in in New York at, at Media Day. It's about work hard. It's about work. It's about work every day. And he proved that the other week when he said. His two stars and said, if you don't want to work tonight, no problem. Sit over here and watch with me. Everybody else will go and get to, and Then you got to play your way back out there. Agreed. But I hope Lauren Cox does not go to UConn. <laughs> with all that said. All that being said, and I don't know her list of schools, whatever, and she's the best player in the country. And I think today, because of the weather, they had to play today. Right. And they're really final. She had like 28 and 21. 28 points, 20 wow. rebounds, 
four or five blocks and some assists, you know, so she can play. So we'll we'll see what she does. You know, Nancy Mulkey, six foot nine, going against Lauren Cox. Lauren Cox is six foot four and more mobile and more skills and have a more versatile right. game than Nancy Mulkey. And I think I want to get this correct, sir. This is Erica Ogumake is the last of the four sisters. She plays Olivia? beside Woods. No, no. Erica. Olivia's already at, at is in college, okay. right? Or is, is she? Erica scored 35 in the game yesterday against Westside. She scored 35 points. So she is, she is, she is uh, the senior. So she's going to join her sister at, I think, Pepperdine. Right. And they're going to be playing together for three years in college. But, yes. gentlemen. <coughs> just interesting. It's just interesting. It's just interesting. Gentlemen. I'm listening. It's time. We have been away for a few days. The Big Ten will seek additional feedback inside and outside collegiate athletics as it considers potential changes that would deem freshmen ineligible in all or, or some sports. Now, if it is a, if, Doc, there's a reason behind that. No question about it. Something happened. You know, happened. How, you know what? Oh, you know what? It's, it, I'm gonna wait. Know this because because you're gonna handle it. You're gonna get this done. Some way, somehow. Somebody went off the off the rails, off the deep end, jumped off the cliff into the cliff into the canyon, and said, "I'm going to try this." Right, and, and, then, it, and, and I can't blame him from trying it. We didn't give the Big Five autonomy to do everything else. The one thing that is unique about this particular rule, it's a rule of the overall functionality of the league. So it will not be one of those rules that can be passed by just the big five conferences in terms of autonomy. It'll have to go to the entire um, 300-some Division One programs to pass it. And that, I'm almost for sure at that level, those schools, they're not going to get enough votes to do that. But, again, this is just another way of the big five trying to push their muscle. They're frustrated, all the negative talk out there, and the fact that it looks like they're going to lose um, this argument in regards to um, paying players. Essentially, they're calling it a stipend that will ultimately be essentially $30,000 to $3,500 over, $35,000 to say over a five-year period. And so they don't want to pay that, and this is just a way to push back. And so obviously in a lot of ways this is pushed by men's basketball with the fact freshmen play in the winter and then really do not do anything in the spring semester they get ready for the draft. You see this uh, to some degree in football, but it uses junior and senior, so they'll look the other way at that because they've got everything out of it they could, essentially, other than those that lose it, leave as juniors a little early. But we allowed them to be in a position where they truly believe now insidiously that they are the rulers of all, and they can declare uh, without anybody really saying anything or challenging them in regards to what's best for the game. They just do not want to share the wealth, and if they have to get a little ugly by doing that and threatening that they're going to make all freshmen ineligible, that's exactly what they'll do. Interesting. Morgan Burks, AD for Purdue, quote, I for one. As a Big Ten AD, am tired of being used as a minor league 
for professional sports. What was really? right for the NCAA in the first 70 years of its history? Maybe we ought to go back and say what's changed. End quote. Wow. A lot has changed. You're not in charge about, anymore. Uh, You're just an acceptance. Making sure that education is written is first is written in the Big Ten history book. We want to promote discussion to look at what we might do to make sure that the education piece is front and center. We have been a leader in national debate on other topics. It's time to gauge on this one. Somebody has to start the discussions. Everybody says education is first, but the rhetoric and the actions don't always match. I agree with that. I agree totally with that. And we'll see if he is going to be able to get the schools like Michigan and Ohio State that are making so much money in regards to their popularity. I don't think he's going to be able to get those schools in Penn State once they get their stuff back together to get that together, to get it out of that. So I don't see that happening. And here's a quote from Jamie Pollard at Iowa State, the AD. What are your thoughts about freshman ineligibility? Here's his, his answer. I'm a proponent of it, but for a different reason that's been articulated so far. I just believe that if we want to send a message as an industry that we're about higher education and the collegiate model, then I think that's one of many ideas that need to be seriously discussed. Because the situation we found ourselves in as an industry is not because of swimmers and tennis players and runners. It's because of basketball and football. Next question he posed to him was, would it drive players away from the NCAA? Answer, if it does, then I'm perfectly fine with that because those that want to make money off of themselves, I'm all for that. But go do it. That's what we have arena football for. And that's what the D-League is. Go do it. See how much money you can make. But don't come to our world and then complain about our set of parameters. Our parameters are you're going to be a student. End quote. Wow. He actually spoke up and said something of substance. Nah, it didn't have a lot of substance to it. He's a blowhard. Um, In the framework, I know what you're doing. You're just trying to set me up. And I appreciate the fastball. Just a lot of arrogance, willful ignorance. Since when have they been students? Uh, It's been a while. When you lower your average, overall admittance average, to allow them to come in at whatever level they want. So I don't want to hear it. And they're just um, smoking mirrors. And and you allow TV to dictate games being scheduled at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night with players, students, athletes, students. Have to play and get to get, go back to class on the next day. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. And then you have teams. a perfect example is Big Mondays. Big Mondays is, is a perfect example. You have West Virginia being in a conference thousand miles away from its closest opponent. Uh, opponent conference opponent. And we got to travel and fly and do all this. Yeah. Okay. You're such a proponent of of education and the importance of it. So why you have your athletes, students doing all this traveling? And let's not forget, and it's coming up to this time of the year. While it is a favorite sport of mine, match March Madness, as they take these students out that will miss umpteen days of school, as they travel across the country to entertain us in various facets. Since when have they been students? I ask the question again. So we'll see how that all, that all how all of that plays out. Uh, many John Calipari basically just 
laughed at it and scoffed at it and joked that this is no way in hell this is going to happen. So it, it's 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 like the ads who are proponents of it are trying to drum up their base, but the reality of the situation this ain't happening. This isn't going to happen at all. You know, I can't. I would kind of. Oh, I'm gonna read this part though. Yeah, go ahead. It throws the NBA under the bus. I'm also hearing how thousands of athletes are marketable. And this is um, Jamie Pollard again, AD for Iowa State. I'm also hearing how thousands of athletes are marketable and should be paid. So if you're so marketable, go get paid. Let's see how far you can get. But if you want to be in our world, you're going to go to school. It's the hypocrisy of, of come here for one year and leave. The NBA has put that problem on us. Somebody said to me, well, what are those kids going to do? I said, I don't care. Well, the NBA can figure that out. And it's probably not as big of an issue with football. Most red shirts, so I don't think it would be as big of a hurdle in football, but in basketball. Change is always difficult, but life will go on, and the game will not be hurt. Wow. Really? You know, it's, it's all strange. Everybody's, you know, got something to say. But when you have to actually govern and say something of substance, actually make a move, let's put it, let's kick the, as they say, let's kick the can down the road to the next guy. And that's basically what they're doing. And one of the ironies is Iowa State basketball team has more JUCO players and transfers from other programs than almost any team in the NCAA. It's no different than what it was and than the program was before when it was when they were rolling. So it's a tad bit hypocritical. Tad bit. So, tad. but we we are not amused, nor are we hoodwinked, nor bamboozled. So, you know, AD can say now publicly on, on the record that it's been an idea, an idea that should be discussed. You know, blah blah blah, whatever. As soon as Fox Sports and ESPN say, okay, well, all these stars are y'all don't have them anymore, so we're gonna come back on your money. We're going to give you the contracts. Oh, well, then maybe there's something we need to, re- re- to uh, reconsider. Yeah, that's what I thought. Anyway, so Kentucky still older, fellas. Kentucky is 29-0. and They masked on the Arkansas team. I, 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 the team I, that I said in previous podcast would Wildcats. Well, didn't happen. That sure didn't happen. So, Do you, uh, well, yeah, they're, they're rolling. The thing about it is if you really look at them closer, they're getting better. They're the pretty strong the yeah, on the defensive better. side. They well, maintain what, what they do on the defensive side. And just as you alluded to, Chris, they're getting even much better on the offensive side. More of the efficient. Ball. And that would be a scary thing if you have to play Kansas. I think it'll be until the lead eight before they really get a run for their money uh, in terms of somebody being in a position oh, to yeah, upset them. Obviously, tournament SEC might happen, but I don't see it. You know, because like you, you all said, you know, you got to score against them. You got to figure out a way to score. It's not a, about trying to stop them or, or getting that way. You got to figure out something to make you compete and force them into a situation. And nobody's done that yet. And that's kind of like bothering me right now. Because I expected somebody to just, you know, the A&M game gave me a lot of hope. And then I watched teams falter down the stretch, last two minutes, last three minutes, last five minutes of the game. You know, even when they were close, didn't take them to overtime, and still not figured out enough to overcome. But, but Wildcat, at least we saw and have seen Kentucky men 
get challenged. True. As opposed to the trains rolling down the, the track. Locomotive, that is the Yukon Huskies. Let me read off the scores of these games in conference. I really don't want to because it's embarrassing. But it's but to it's, make a point. It's a, it's a make a point about how dominant UConn has been and how not competitive the other teams in the act are. Yesterday, UConn beat Memphis 87 to 24. 87 to 24. The look on Doc's face says it all right there. That's right, folks. Memphis scored nine points in the first half. Halftime score was 54 to 9. The Huskies went, going back, because well, we had, did not have a podcast since uh, UConn masked U of H, and we said U of H would lose, what was it we said? Yeah, about, at least about 50 55, whatever yeah, it was. at least 50 points, minimum. And the Cougars, I think, scored 12 points in the first half of that thrashing. That, that final score was 85 26. In the uh, U of H game, game against U of H, game against Tulane, the Huskies did not, neither, neither opponent went to the foul line. In two games, neither opponent went to the foul line. Tulsa was kind of competitive, kind of, for like two minutes. Final score was 92 to 46, but Tulane, Tulsa went to the foul line, though, so they broke the streak, so they finally went to the foul line. And Gino was probably pissed about that, too. But let me just, the last, since the game against. South Carolina, the number one team in the country. Yep. That was an 87-62. Thrashy. But kicking. Thrashy. Since then, final scores, 87-39, Those are conference scores. Hey. You want more? More in the act? Oh, let's just call it the UConn Conference. But that's what it is. UConn Conference. UConn Conference scores. 98, 60, 87, 28, 92, 58, 92, 50, 105, 96, 31, 87, 32, 89, 38, 83, 49, 96, 36, 80, 34. I tell you, folks, it's not UConn's fault. You can say what you want to about women's basketball. But it still falls back to two basic principles. Either you want to or you don't. And if you can't mentally overcome some situations, figure something out because physically it's not going to happen. You get into a seven match with UConn and you will lose because they will just impose their will on you in a game and it will be a five-minute stretch like you have never seen in your life. And two of us have witnessed that situation up close in, po- in, in, in tournament play. You better not attempt to get physical with them because a timeout will be called, and trust me, adjustment will be made, and it won't be the same game for about at least four or five-minute period. It's not UConn's fault, and uh, I still wait, and I want, I wait for the day when a coach in the same conference as UConn, since Muffin McGraw, Notre Dame no longer Rutgers the same conference. And, and, 
Uh, Louisville, Louisville. Louisville lost today, too. They're struggling as well. It's going backwards. But I want a conference coach to say, damn it. I'm tired of losing to these folks. Yep. We are going to bring talent in here. We're going to get fans to come watch us play. We're going to market our program to get fans to come see us play. And we are going to beat them. I'm tired of getting the behinds. I'm tired of losing them. I'm tired of getting my butt kicked. That ain't happened for a long time, though. No. Because it, 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 it took a long while for, you, for Notre Dame to get to that point. A long while. But that's... Rutgers, at one point, was the only team that was talented just because of the style of play. And Vivian was able to get those kind of players in, and they would just, just clamp down on them. But now... Since those three, Louisville, Notre Dame, and, and Rutgers have left the conference, there is nobody standing in our way, literally. And the rest of these teams get in the postseason. Well, USF is 15-2 and two in the AC, excuse me, in the UConn conference. I'm sorry, in the UConn conference. And, and, and what does that say? If they lost to somebody else beside UConn? Because <laughs> they want to play them so far. They <laughs> lost to somebody else. What does that say? What does that say about the conference? What does that say about them? They lost to East Carolina by one point. I saw the game on TV. Yeah, that was a bad loss. But they'll be in a tournament. Tulane has lost three in a row, and they're out, probably on the bubble now. So, yeah. You know, it's, at some point, you got a challenge. And people ask me questions all the time and say, that's what's wrong with women's basketball. Well, it'll be that way until what you the comment and the rant that you just had. When that person decides to come in and says, I'm going to change all of this just because, that's not going to happen. You got to be have some will, some backbone, and you got to go and, says, and say, I'm going to recruit that kid, and I'm not going to stop recruiting that kid until that kid shows up in somebody's classroom. And it would, and it would do my heart great. If SMU signs Lauren Cox, yeah, it would. I'm not. I don't think it's going to happen. But at least some effort is being but, done. But you it hope. would do me. It, it hope. She is. Because you said Flower Mound in the state finals, right? Yeah. Lauren Cox, top ranked player in the class 2016, six foot four forward. Her schools. One thing about hoop girls, schools considering for her. They don't list any schools, but if she stayed local, stayed in Texas, went to SMU, that would give me hope that somebody says I'm tired. That, that's and, and, and that she has decided to. I don't want to go to UConn and be like everybody else. I want to start a new tradition here at SMU. And, yeah, and you know. And see, that's the other thing I tell folks. I said everybody wants to go and be the little fish in the pond and just and be around and be happy, go lucky. Nobody wants to be the pioneer anymore. Nobody wants to go and sit and, and, and make change. Because at some point you got to want to make change. Brittany made a change and went and went to Baylor, see, and you and I both know and that Baylor's was lost twin run now and, uh, and lost to Iowa State yesterday on Saturday as well. I, I knew that was going to happen because just because of our friend Bill. Bill yeah, could Bill lost could Oklahoma and Iowa State last two games in Big Twelve play. So you know, surprise, surprise. it happens. It happens. And next week that's my first tournament. But this, to your point, and it's I don't, and I don't want to. We're going to wrap up the podcast here, but I don't want to be critical of players, star players, elite players who still go to UConn because it's UConn. Gino comes to your house, talks to your parents, 
give the scholarship. Hell not. Why not? Yep. But why not stay home and help your your local school be great? <clears throat> now, granted, your local school has to be in the business of women's college basketball and really want to care and be part of you know promoting it and supporting it, et cetera, those things as right. well. You, you got to do that. You. And we're seeing it, the talent spread out. Like I said, we're seeing the parity develop. You're seeing Pac-12. It's not Stanford's <laughs> conference anymore. Right. It's everybody's challenging that. But it's not at UConn level. That's what I'm waiting for. That's the biggest disappointment about Notre Dame and UConn no longer being in the same conference. Because you would see Notre Dame and UConn play two, two or three times a season. Right. And Notre Dame would give it to UConn. Yeah, You'd at see, least three times. You'd at least see three times. Once in a tournament and, and then in conference play. In the UConn conference now, there ain't a team within shouting distance of UConn. And USF is a good basketball team. True. They are. But they are not on the Notre Dame level that nope. gave UConn problems. And they have talented players. But tomorrow's Monday game, Monday's game, I think it's on ESPN2. I think it's senior day at USF. Folks. Give me a final score. Give me a prediction. 75-47. I think, I think USF will get close to 50 as for scoring points on them, themselves. I don't know how they're going to get it done, but I see them just getting, okay. getting at least 50. Now, they lost. They played each other January 18th at UConn. Final score is 92-50. to 50. 92 to 50. So what do you say this is going to be in Tampa? I in Tampa as in tomorrow, March 2nd, not April. Because well, they're going to be in right. Tampa. Final four. Let me ask this question. I was going to make sure that you <laughs> Let me made ask everybody question. understand that you're talking about conference play. Oh, yeah. Not the uh, NCAA oh, tournament. Oh, no. Yeah, because one of those two teams playing tomorrow will be playing in Tampa in April. For sure. But it oh, won't yeah. be USF. Yeah. All right. Uh I still, yeah, let me, because I don't know what the uh, the uh, roster situation at USF uh, is right now. So I'm going to just say um, 89 to 53. Ah. Say 90 to um, 54. I think at home they'll put up a couple of more fight. It'll be close it's, it's, in the first half. In the, in the second half, they'll pull away. <laughs> Dude, come on now. No, no, I'm laughing. He said it'd be close and there's a 36-point margin of victory. I was talking the first half. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because... Like, but I'm going to use a similar logic, but I'm going to say 88 to 60. So you give them 10 points for being in So you basically, you basically said they could, this, this could be less than, 20, less than 30 points difference. 88-60. Yeah, I want to see if anybody... You said less than 30 points difference. Yeah, I'm not gonna be. I'm gonna not gonna be that that, that that generous. I'm just not. I mean, even though it's senior night and it's on the road, one team in conference scored sixty against UConn this year. And that was Tulsa. Final score ninety eight sixty. So somebody can do it. So it's been done. Barely. That, all right, then how long? Tim how long ago was that? How long? Ago, how long ago was 7th. that? That's that, that my point. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're getting ready for conference uh, for uh, for the tournament too. Yeah. Yep, the really? Last, the last five conference games. Uh, most points score is 47. I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with, the, with, with what I said. All right. I'll stick with my. And on that note, we're going to wrap it up. So, Doc, how can folks find you? Yes, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's on the social media platforms, the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can also get me on SoundCloud with a weekly radio show I do with Inside 
the HBCU Sports Lab every Tuesday from 7 to 8 on KCOH Radio, 1230 AM, the all-new KCOH Radio, a better broadcasting company. You can catch me on that. And if you're not able to get it live, uh, you can go to SoundCloud inside HBCU Sports Lab and pull up the recordings that we put uh, out there. Wildcat? You can find me online at Twitter, TweetDeck, Facebook at JL Woodley1, Jerry L. Woodley Jr. at YouTube, and blogger at AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report, and also on SoundCloud at uh, JL Woodley1. And for listeners, if anybody's wondering if you happen to hear any baby sounds in the background, that's because you have a baby here. We got Deuce here joining us on on the podcast. Yeah, I, I Deuce has decided he wanted to bless the mic. He's starting out young, seven months. Uh, he is truly a fan of mine. He decided that he wanted to be in the studio, and so I think he got a little excited when he heard all this talking. One time, he raised his head and just looked in amazement. He said, "I could do that." And that's when you started hearing his voice. So I appreciate the listeners and my colleagues uh, oh, yeah. working with me through this. It's time he gets it. Hey, everybody, everybody else getting started. They're starting that Say hello, that today. Say hello. Now you want to be quiet. Be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Hey. I tell you. Uh, be quiet. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> The world is a beautiful place. Yes, it is. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review website, www.houstonroundballreview.com. Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube. You can check out Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram. Thank you to all the new people following me on Instagram because my pictures with the, from Rocket Games. Folks really appreciate the Rockets. Folks love the Rockets, man. No doubt. I'm getting I'm picking up three or four a, a game now for my Rockets. It's and I, I'm saying this from the bottom of my heart. I truly think, thank the new uh, Twitter friends and all that have followed, started to follow me and and, and help me out. You know, along the way, they're giving me good insight. Uh, they, the one thing that they're doing is they're helping my numbers, and I'll look better. Yeah. Uh, and I'm I'm getting to them as fast as possible. Yeah, Facebook. You know, I, I I'm kind of moving slow and all with that, uh, but. The Twitter is just like they said. That's a quick. Re- that's a quick response. Yeah, it's nice the way they said it. You know, and, and I and I like that, uh-huh. and I'm handling that a lot better than I have been. And it could be because it's getting close to the end of the regular season for everybody, and conference play, conference tournament, and the NC two A gets started here in another week. March and a half. Madness. And I'm gonna tell you, folks, it's gonna be interesting. Well, I'll be in Birmingham next week for the SIC tournament. Oh. I'll be tired again, but we'll get it rolling next week. Hey. Give you an update on what went down in the NCAA Division II SIEC. Yes, sir. With the SEAC tournament down in Birmingham, Alabama. Look forward Alabama. to that. Alabama. And once again, this is KG with Houston Round Bar Review. You can check out us check us out on our K- Facebook page, KG Fifth Water Wildcat and Doc on Facebook. I am at T H E H R Review on Twitter. Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. Listen to our podcast on iTunes as well as SoundCloud. Go to the website, HoustonRoundBarView.com. Check out the blogs, men's and women's hoops blogs for your info and insight there. Fellas, it's almost time for us to do our voting as members of the United States 
Basketball Writers Association to vote for uh, the All-America teams. So we'll be doing that shortly. Listeners, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your comments. Keep them coming. Wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.